G'day and uh, welcome to New Beginnings Uniting Church. Uh, one of the things I thought that uh, we should do during the week is that we should actually delve into the message a little bit more deeply. Uh, at, at our team meeting this week, we were just chatting about the depth of material that, uh, that we're looking at in the message last week and how we could have had so much more information and, and dived into it much more deeply and explored many more issues around this. And so we thought, why not just do a deep dive into the message each week? And so uh, we're going to, um, as part of our routine here at New Beginnings, we're going to, we're going to try and move into a weekly deep dive into the message uh, that we just had on Sunday on the Wednesday. And so this is our first one, uh, just having a look at it, and it's fantastic. I'm glad you might be able to join with us. But we're going to uh, talk with Kerry, who brought us the message uh, last week, uh, and it was looking at Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 1 through to 23. And some really great things are in there. So I hope that you enjoy this moment as we dive into the Bible a li little bit more deeply. I know Caleb is going to jump in with our first question. He had one already preloaded, ready to go. So Yeah, well, been thinking about it since Monday, so we gotta gotta have a little bit of read. This is unscripted though, so you know you know, we're just reading through. How about we, we start by actually reading the first part so we all know where it's at. Uh, chapter seven verse one, the first part says the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. Okay, and some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defi defiled, that is unwashed. You know, it, we're two verses in and already there's quite a loaded question. What does it mean contemporarily to be unwashed? And, and, and I just want to like, maybe we can explore this of idea of, I mean, none of us really worry about the unwashing of our hands unless maybe like you've been to the toilet and about to eat dinner, you know, but... Uh, or, you, or you're in a pandemic and you... Yeah, or you've got a yeah. COVID scenario. <laughs> and, and, we, and we have suddenly learnt that washing our hands and, and being clean about the things that we do is so important. Um, and, you know, like just to go on that notion of being really heightened about, uh, about washing and cleanliness, um, one of the things that... And this may just be my neurotic brain and my science background that I have, but, like, if I've been to the gym and leaving the gym, one of the things is, you know, you know when you wash your hands and then you go and open the door to leave? That's probably the grubbiest place you can be. So I always sanitise after I've touched the grubbiest thing and leave there. So, you know, it's, it's something that's ingrained in us, but what is, you're exactly right, what is that real contemporary thing that means that, you know, we might, the thing about this, isn't it, is that it's, it's about the, the ritual um, it's about what we've made that, and, and back in the day, washing hands before you ate was actually still, and still is, really important. Uh, and it did keep the, the, the Jewish population very healthy. But it became a ritual thing and not a practical thing. So it's what are the things in our lives that have become rituals that are a lot not practical, not in practical sense in anymore, but they're just the things we routinely do because that's the way we've always done it, I think, is part of the question, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I think it, it's not just about washing your hands. It's that the Pharisees were imposing this tradition of how you washed your hands. And so it's whenever we've got some ritual that we always do and we think it's in line with what God wants, but in fact what we're doing is we're imposing our own set of rules. Um, so saying, you know, somebody can't, uh, you know, come to church if they've got bare feet, for example. Um, that would be a rule that we've made up because God accepts everybody, um, you know, however we're dressed. Uh, I think, you know, back in the 50s, a woman had to wear a hat to church. Um, so that was, that was a rule that was imposed. And if you didn't wear a hat, that was like seen to be, you know, not the right thing to do. So I suppose, you know, what are, the, what are those things that we're doing now? I think it's hard for us to see that when we're in it because it's just part of how we how we do church or how we do life and we can't really step back from it. We can see it in the past but it's hard to see it in the present. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, God tells me, you know, take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're right and I think it becomes about that roteness of it, you know, the whole this is just what we do consistently and even uh, spiritual practices become lost in their meaning and they, they become just another thing and uh, they, they lose the cleanliness that it provides. Um, yeah. So, Kerry, go. I'd oh, I was just going to say, so I think, I think we, we need to ask God to show us, you know, where are we doing things that we've started to layer upon layer. This is how you do church. This is how you be a Christian. This is how you live. And... And some of them can be good things, like washing your hands, nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's imposing the tradition or the ritual rather than being have a heart for doing what you're doing. So, you know, tithing, for example, it can become just something that becomes, well, I'm just going to do this because that's what it says and there's no heart involved in it. So, Good example, yeah. So, I mean, if we were to carry on with the passage and really dive into that, you know, going a little bit further. And and that's exactly what is explained in in verses 3 through to 4. And then it goes in verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why do your disciples live according... Don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And so this is actually the, the crux of it. You know, why aren't you holding to the traditions that have been set down? And, that, and, and for a church, which is so steeped in tradition, it's actually a really important uh, question for us to actually ask. Uh, it's an important question for us to ask um, for not only as individuals but as an organisation, as a church. Uh, have we placed... Uh, traditional th- things in there that become tradition that aren't important practices. And, and I love what Isaiah, then, you know, Jesus replies with a, with a passage from the Old Testament um, and, it's fr- and it's from Isaiah. And it says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachers are merely human rules. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. 
It's all about that focus, isn't it? You know, the, the Pharisees' focus is we got to do the right thing, you know. And they did. Back then, you had to do the law because there was no salvation through Jesus. And so they were in practice, but they'd lost the focus of why they had to do those things because it was to bring honor, glory to God and to enjoy a life with God. But it just became, we do this because that's what we got to do. And their focus was off, uh, the intention behind it. So I I think um, for us, some of the things that are really, that are like touch points for churches revolve around music. Um, We've always done music this way. Um, Revolves around uh, the way we do prayers. We've always done it this way. Whenever we say the phrase, we've always done it this way, you start to, you should raise up in your own brain, why am I saying that? Um, and, and it revolves around uh, practices of uh, uh, ceremonial things, you know, the, the ways that we might do baptism, the ways that we might do communion. These are all, don't let me say that these aren't important. These are actually really important practices of the churches. But the process and the ways that we do it, what is the ceremony that we say, we have to do it this way? Or we've laid down a liturgy and you've got to follow it this way. These words are the right words and anything else is wrong. And then we've suddenly got into you're honouring me with your lips and your heart is not there. And that's so, so critical for us um, that we need to really, to really lean into what is God saying to us in this moment. And it does sort of, it doesn't give the Holy Spirit room to move, um, to, to, you know, talk to us to say, at this moment, this is where I want you to go, this is what I want you to do, because we've got this ritual that we're going to go through. But there might be something that the Spirit really wants to speak. It might be a word to speak over a child's life when they're being baptised or over somebody when they're being baptised or something in communion that comes up that God wants to say to the community at that point of time. But we're following the ritual. So, sorry, Holy Spirit, we haven't got room for you unless we program room for Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's almost like you go from uh, being a Christian to like a, a Calabian, like, you know, you put yourself in that name instead of Christ, you know, because you start to form your own religion, you know, and that's what start, is mentioned in the next verse. Jesus says, you know, you have, uh, what's we got here? You've let go of the commands of God and the intention behind what God gives them in that sense. And you're holding on to your own human traditions, making it your own way to try and do this way of living life, you know, rather than God's way of doing it. And I think we can bring that back to ourselves as well, that, okay, uh, this is how I live my life. I get up in the morning, I have a quiet time. Um, I'm going to read a passage of the Bible. I'm going to spend time with God and then I'm going to do, you know, whatever else is on the day. But not just stopping and asking God, well, what is it? that you want me to do today? You know, is there some something different from this ritual? Nothing wrong with this ritual, it's all good. But am I actually letting God talk to me? You know, it's like always praying and asking for things, even if it's interceding for other people. But when do we stop and let God, say, God speak to us and say, you know, uh, mould me, yep. you know, change me, convict me, show me where I need to to change, Lord? And, and, and what I... What I um want to make a distinction between is ritual and routine. See, we can have routines that help us do things, 
and help us in situations, and routines are great uh, because they help us uh, cope with the day, uh, cope with uh, the situations that may be around us. Rituals is when we place significance on a routine. And, and, that, and it's when that significance is not linked to God's presence and God's guiding in that moment, then we, we've lost, yeah. lost it in that regard. Yeah. Yep. And I think that can be a fine line. I mean, I think even, you know, for somebody in ministry, it can be so much about doing the ministry that, um, you know, God is actually pushed out a bit because it's about, you know, serving this person or doing this or doing that. And, but where is God in that, in directing it and always continually directing and leading and correcting? So, Kerry, I wanted to jump over to you. I actually wanted to, you know, and, and it's been really good that we've been kind of just delving into that, but was there something that you wanted to, that struck you about this passage? You just wanted to go, look, I didn't get to talk about it on, on, on Sunday in the message, yeah. and I just, want to, I just want to just open it up right yeah. now. So. Yeah, yeah I, I did feel on Sunday that I didn't uh, emphasise enough that, the list of things, the terrible things that come out of our heart, it's not to condemn us. It's, it's not about Jesus condemning us. I think in Romans 8.1 it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And 8.28, I think, everything works together for the good. So if we find that we're in this place of sexual immorality or theft or murder or whatever, then if we are feeling guilty that we want to be thankful for that because guilt is our friend. Guilt is the way God says to us, you need to change. There's something that you're doing that's not, not making me happy, basically. And so we recognise it, we confess, we repent, and we accept God's forgiveness because Jesus has already been condemned for that sin. He's died for us. So we don't need to go on feeling condemned once we've confessed it. And if we do feel guilty afterwards, then it's probably because we, we are not forgiving ourselves or we're not willing to accept God's forgiveness or it's the enemy just keeping on going at us. You know, you failed, you fell over again because he will tempt us into sin and then he will condemn us for sinning. Whereas Jesus never tempts us into sin and never condemns us for sin. And I think um, we don't want to look at this list and think, well, you know, there's no way I can come before God because we all fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. And, I, and I actually think it's really interesting where um, the actual physical location and who Jesus was speaking to about these things because that's really important because if you actually have a look at what the Bible is saying is, is, is Jesus is talking to the crowds, he's talking to those, he's been questioned by the Pharisees why his disciples don't perform a, a particular ritual. He goes on to quote some Old Testament to them and then goes into explaining a bit more and, he to, and, and then he actually goes on to a really important point. That he tells the crowd, everybody around, that listen to me everyone and understand this. So he's telling everybody, listen to this, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. So the outside things are not going to cause your inner being to be, you know, um, be sinful. That you know, consuming stuff. Rather, it's what comes out of the person that defiles them. And 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 after he'd said that, the disciples still didn't get it. So he's, he's, he then goes into the list of things 
with a close group of people. And I think that's really important because so often we want to tell the world, these are all the things you're doing wrong, um, rather than just going, well, actually, it's, it's not about the things you were doing wrong. It's actually about what's coming out of your heart. The, the emphasis for Jesus to everybody to understand is that what comes out of you that defiles you. It's what comes out. It's the product out of there. And, and we often want to, you know, like, like all humans, we want to point down and do a little thing, isn't it? You know, we, we want to make a little moment and just go, that's wrong because what I'm doing is right and what you're doing is wrong. And we want to kind of put it that way. Pull the log out of your own mind before the speck in someone else's. Exactly. And so, but, he's, but he needed to actually talk about what defiles, but he did it with a smaller group of people yes. so he could get a, them to have a better understanding, a deeper understanding of what it is. And it wasn't necessarily out there for big public consumption. That's not what he was telling all the whole crowd, but he was telling just his disciples and feeding into them a more specific thing about, well, if you really want to know what this is like, then then this is it, you know, this is what it's about. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I think sometimes church wants to sort of t- say to the whole world, you know, oh, you, you're living, you know, in sin, you're in a terrible place. But actually he was t- talking to people who were following him. Yep. He was talking to people who wanted to be like Jesus. That's right. Yes, and that's when he goes into the detail of look at these things. Yeah. I think it really shows also part of the heart here behind the lesson that he's teaching. It's about I want you to engage in a healthy life and not actually be like living in a, a way which is making you less of the person that we dream for you to be. And it's like this whole aspect of defile isn't conviction like you're saying, but it's actually an emphasis on good health, good life, the way of enjoying life for God's purpose and intention and to live how we were meant to be living, not how we've been corrupted to live. And that's so important, so important. And, and, and he goes, you know, and it comes back to that whole hypocrisy thing. So, you know, when, when you're talking about it, so if the disciples are already, and, and this is for us, if we're, if we're leaning into Christ, if we're saying that we, we're a follower of Christ and we're coming there, then these are the things that we actually really need to guard for ourselves. This is, you know, it's, it's not something to speak out, it's something to speak in. Mm. And this, as we read this and saying, well, I want to follow Christ uh, more deeply, then these are the things that should start to convict us. Mm. Not that we're wanting to go and convict somebody else, but convict us in our heart and just going, well, maybe this is something I'm doing mm. and, and this is something I need to correct in my life mm. and, and, and come into a better relationship. And actually really look at what, and I think really look at what our heart is saying to us, you know. And, and you'll, know, you'll know this in your own life. Um, there are times when you're going, you're going and, it, and it could be about anything, you just, you play it in your brain and you let the, the scenario run around to the point is you're going, oh, well, I'll just do it anyway. Um, and, and we do that. Uh, and to be honest, we, I think we all do that. Um, and, and it's... It's at that point that you're going, that's the point you should be saying, well, what does God require me? Well, what would, what would God want me to do in this moment rather than letting it run through and going, oh, I'm just going to get some instant gratification out of this. I'm just going to get whatever it is. And, and most, most of this stuff is all about gratification of self. Mm. If you actually look at the list, it's all about gratification of self. Uh, and uh, if we let that be the driving factor of things, then we actually miss what, what fantastic things God's got for us in our lives. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's about that 
God's conviction in someone, like how it's it's the only healthy form of conviction really is if the Spirit of God comes into someone. I don't know if you've ever been convicted by someone which has uh, called you out and then all, it's almost like, well, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Like, So when it's my own words and my actions that are doing it, well, that's not going to be a healthy conviction in someone else's life. It's actually how do we facilitate God in this moment to allow His Spirit to bring a change in their life. I guess the, the challenge that comes from that though and the question I kind of sit on is, what space or opportunity do we have when someone is feeling that conviction to help enter into uh, whether it's accountability and helping them through it or whether what, what's the next steps that we're going to take as a church if someone approaches me and says, I'm struggling with lawlessness. I'm struggling with pride. How am I going to go about this? And so when the Spirit of God does convict someone, how are we going to be proactive in helping them? And I think it starts with not being judgmental. That, that you know, absolutely that anyone can come to, a, you know, a fellow person in the church and just be honest about where they are. I think that's key. And that if somebody, you know, is brave enough to do it, then we just accept that, yeah, okay, that's, that's humanness. That's what happens. Yeah. And you're no worse than anyone else. And, and I can relate to you because I understand this type of sinfulness. I understand being, you know, so consumed with gratifying myself. Yeah. But then how do we then allow that to happen? How do we encourage people to, you know, confess and repent? Because Wesley, when he first started his, his uh, get-togethers, that was the thing you came. You had to come and you had to repent of anything that had happened through the week. And it was part of the, the overall, um, you know, service that they had. But we don't, we don't really do that as a group anymore. We don't sort of say, okay, Simon, how did you go this week? Anything to repent of? <laughs> oh, well, how about a big list for you this week? So, <laughs> but it, and, and that comes, and, you know, I love how it cycles back to the beginning because it comes back to that ritual. Like within, within a church service, uh, we, we've got this thing, um, you know, the, the our prayer of confession, which is actually meant to be a prayer where we are repenting, confessing our sins, you know, and that's, that's what it's coming to repentance. Um, and yet we've made it this uh, act that happens out the front from nice words, meant to be encouraging us to make it, but we often just leave it as nice words out there, you know. And, and it's the ritual. Um, and, and, the, you know, the, and one of the big things around Wesley was that, um, and, and just to put it into the context and framework, uh, and why, one of the biggest impact Wesley had was in that working class... Um, uh, suburbs that he worked in, and, and they were like mining suburbs. And what would happen is that um, the the husband maybe have been working all day. I mean, working got the the pay packet, and they go down to the local pub and actually spend it all. Um, and so he worked at that whole not self gratification, not greed, not spending all that, and going actually, um, you need to you know, fix things in, in order for, And so there's a lot of, if you came, you have to repent of that thing. And so that's why repenting of the drinking of the alcohol, and it was so important for Wesley at that, yeah. that framework. But it also meant that it was a, a really important notion about caring for the rest of your family because your family would be left hungry because you'd gone and spent all of this money just on gratifying yourself in that process, mm. in that place. Mm. Um, yeah. 
I, and I think, you know, and to kind of just move it back around into that question you were asking, I think it's to realise that once we make a, a realisation that we've got, that we may, we may um, say we've got a, a problem from struggling with this, is that you don't always have to have the answer straight away. Um, you don't always have to be... Uh, and, and you will relapse and you'll struggle with it and you continue to struggle with it. Um, what, you know, the thing about coming into church and coming into community with church and coming into people who um, want, want the best for you. And, and I think that's probably one of the best things about church is that people actually truly want the best for you. Um, and, and if we're willing to be open and honest about those things, then you've got somebody that's willing to hold you accountable. So one of the biggest things is to go, how are you going? Um, and, you know, uh, last week you might have said that you were struggling with this. How did you go this week? Um, did, did, did you... Uh, and e even to the point of actually, you know, if you're struggling with specific issues, um, you can commit to saying, I'm, I'm going to check up with you uh, on a framework, on a time-based framework, but you can also commit to saying we're going to find out a solution to how to help in that process. None of us are expert about these things, but we can commit to, to find out where there are people who have got good skills in dealing with some of these areas and, and work through that with them and, and be that support with them and be that encouragement with them. Because, you know, this becomes practical um, and it's not just a theory, it's a practical thing for us. So it's a community of care, a community of encouragement, a community of honesty, a community of uh, openness, um, and that, that, that's Christian community for you. Yeah, that's great. And I just, the whole thing about relapse is so cool because I love the Jesus example of it. You know, he just didn't go into the desert and then wasn't ever tempted again. You know, get behind me, Satan. And uh, he goes into the garden and, you know, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. You know, and it's, it's like temptation these self-gratification lists will be something that continually happens throughout life. And as you're saying, that's why it's so important to be amongst family so that we can continually come back and actually be like, invest into the per yourself or invest into the person that's confided in you or, yeah, so good. So good. So, Kerry, to wrap us up, well, what's, what's, the, what's the one thing that you want to um, just let people know about from this passage that you just want What's the message this week that... Just this point. Uh, that Jesus wants us to have a clean heart and he doesn't condemn us when we don't have one. He gives us the way forward so that we can uh, have a beautiful clean heart just to reflect his glory to others. Fantastic. So thanks, thanks for joining with us as we, we, we dove deeply into Mark's gospel um, and into Mark chapter 7 verses 1 through to 23. Uh, we're going to commit to do this on a weekly basis uh, just to really dive into the, the passage that we've looked at during the week. And um, let, let's just pray uh, together as we just uh, leave today. Our gracious Lord, we just give you thanks that uh, we can dive into your word openly and freely and we've got this, this space, this wonderful way to be able to do it together with everybody around. Lord, we just pray that... Um, that if we're struggling with things such as adultery or greed or malice, deceit, lordlessness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, folly um, then, then, Lord, we, we lay these in, in front of you. And if there's something that's actually weighing on your heart at this moment, I just encourage you to reach out to, 
to somebody that you know either within New Beginnings or if you're listening from another church into your church as well um, because there are people who are willing to support you. There are people who are willing there to, to help you. And Lord, we just pray for, for a clean heart, a heart that is, is so much more in tune with your will in our lives. Oh Lord, we just pray for, you, for your blessing upon those people. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon them. And Lord, we just pray for your love to flow through them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thanks for joining us today. Where can people go if they want to see that sermon, that great sermon? So jump onto the website, nbu.org.au, and you'll see that uh, past sermons are there. And so catch on that. Um, we do have a landing page for all our online content. So that's at nbu.org.au slash online.